and welcome to episode 10 of Life in Vader's Castle. Uh, I'm joined today by my co-host, Dan McCrory. Hello, episode 10. We made, we made it. Yeah, big one zero. Double the, digits. Uh, the first of many, I don't know. Milestones. Milestones, that's what I was looking for. Yes, the first of many milestones sure to come. 10 episodes in 10 weeks as well. We actually haven't even missed a week. They're popping off. No, we haven't, yeah. So we haven't missed a week of recording. So if you've missed a week of listening, shameful. Oh, shameful. You've got to catch back up. Um, how are you doing, John? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I'm glad it's Friday. Work week over. Can enjoy yeah, the weekend. We do like the Fridays. I've got a, I've got a rare weekend when I don't have anything work related. Um, so I'm oh. just going to be at the pub, I think, which will be nice. Oh, lovely, lovely weather for it. Exactly. The weather's for it. The Euros. I don't even like football, but something about the international games I like to watch. Scotland's in the Euros. We're winning the Euros. It's a good time to be alive. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the pubs this weekend are just going to be. Yeah, it's going to be carnage. <laughs> yeah, absolute carnage. The, f- the football hooligans will be out. Yeah, if any of you are American listeners, you probably won't understand. But when it gets to international football in the in the UK. Just people become creatures in the pubs. <laughs> yeah, they emerge from the woodwork, some of them, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also a good day because we've had a, a cracking episode of Bad Batch today. Yeah, good reviews all around from what I've yeah. seen. Yeah, everyone uh, seems to be gassed about today's episode. Um, I tuned in to, uh, I watched it like at eight o'clock as it came out this morning. So I tuned into Star Wars Theories sort of live watch party. And all of his fans were gassing it as well, which is good because sometimes his fan base can be quite critical of Bad Batch, I've noticed in past weeks, but they were getting gassed about it. It's good to see. Oh, it does surprise me. Well, it doesn't yeah. surprise me because it's a very good episode, but I'm, I'm glad to see it. Yeah, I've been liking his uh, his watch parties, to be fair. I think he's uh, he's doing some good stuff. Um, and then I was, I was watching Star Wars Explained as well. He put his little video out. He was gassed about it. I mean, everyone's just gassed. It's nice to see. Nice to see lots of positivity in the community. Yeah, makes a change. <laughs> <laughs> makes a change, exactly. Uh, what, you, what, have you, what sort of Star Wars have you been consuming this past week, John, with the exception of Bad Batch, obviously? Uh, a lot of reading and comics. I've, I've been I caught up with uh, the High Republic comics because mm-hmm. they're now on Marvel Unlimited and um, I'm poor so that's how i get most of my comic updates but uh also war of the bounty hunters came out this week or last uh, week? last week but yeah last week but yeah i've been i read it this week yeah uh, we will so, definitely be yeah, spoiler alert we will be diving in to the comics a bit later on but specifically war of the bounty hunters because it's got a lot of people talking so we will be discussing that later on in the episodes mm. um I've, uh, I've I've been continuing my books. I've been I've been reading Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which is a a book about Princess Leia when she's a little bit older, sort of five to ten years, I think, before Force Awakens. It's interesting me so far. It's like a slow paced political thriller at the moment, but it's interesting me. Um, oh, nice! And then I also rewatched the sequel trilogy this week. Um, and you know what? This is the first time re-watching any of them that I've actually sat from from episode seven at the beginning all the way through to episode nine and I've enjoyed myself. Um they're not perfect, 
But you know what? I'm getting to the point now where I can actually just watch it and enjoy it. And it took me about 15 years to get to that place with the prequels. And I feel like I'm starting to get there with the sequels as well. <laughs> so um, it's nice yeah. to let go of my hatred and my anger and just enjoy stuff again. <laughs> I feel like that's common though with any of the Star Wars films. Unless you like saw Star Wars in the cinema at like in like when it originally came out, I feel like any film after that needs a couple watches before you can really yeah. just enjoy it for what it is and see past all of the um It's all about expectation really. Yeah. I think. And um I've always been an original trilogy guy. I was brought up on that. Like obviously prequel I was a prequel era in terms of like when I was growing up that's what was coming out. But the original trilogy were my set films. So even I had my hesitations about the prequels when I was sort of getting to my teenage years and stuff. And it's taken me a while to get over them. And yeah, it happens. But I think I've gotten to the point in my life now where I just like Star Wars because it's an escape from the real world. And when you get to being an adult, it's all you need is a nice escape from the real world. And yeah, Star Wars, me. doesn't matter what film it is, one through nine, it all gives me a nice escape from the real world. And that's what I'm looking for. Nice. Well said. Well, we it's can. Uh, world building. Exactly. We can uh, use that to uh, to move on to the Bad Batch because that was sef- definitely uh, definitely an enjoyable watch for talking about enjoying Star Wars. I uh, I think this might be my favourite episode so far, John. It's up there with me, I think, to be fair, as well, actually. Um, it's, uh, it's, the pacing's so good, the the storyline's so good, the emotional side is so good, which is what I always like to base my yeah. Star Wars off, is how it makes me feel. Um, and this episode definitely had the emotions going. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, down all spectrums. I was... Uh, um, so, yeah, great episode. I was browsing the Twitters late last night, and um, obviously on our sort of live from Vader's Castle Twitter, I'm, I'm the people that we follow all sort of Star Wars related and all the tweets I was seeing was like Lucasfilm employees and people who worked on Badge Batch saying, Oh, you're going to, you're going to like tonight's episode or get ready for tonight's episode. One of them even put like hashtag good soldiers follow orders. And I was like, Oh no, I was like, it's going to happen. I was like, this is going to be Wrecker's turn tonight. Well, tonight as in tomorrow morning. So I was, I was very, I woke up this morning and I was like, Oh no, what's going to happen? But I was not disappointed. I was, I was thrilled. I was devastated. I was scared. I was relieved. All the emotions in twenty minutes. It was a, it was a really good episode, and I'm, um, I'm glad for what they did, and uh, just really excited for where the show's going. Yeah, I mean, this this starts off unbelievable. It in the middle, it's unbelievable, and uh, at the end, I think it ends on nice. A nice little note, like it's not, there's no cliffhanger that's annoying. Obviously, there's more episodes to come, so there's going to be things you're wondering about, but it wasn't like there wasn't dangling anything in front of us. That was, yeah, they they wrapped up quite a few threads, which was nice, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the threads they wrapped up were nice, and and they still left left a little bit open for next week, yeah, yeah. The the door is slightly ajar for things to happen later in the series, hopefully. Yeah. So let's let's just dive straight into the most important talking factor. Our boy Rex, he's returned. Yes. <laughs> the boy Rex is back. The goat. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you listen to our clone episodes, I mean Rex is the best clone, our favorite clone. We love Rex. He's a loyal clone. He uh didn't kill Ahsoka <laughs> during Order 66 and she mm-hmm. managed mm-hmm. to save him. Um, and it obviously comes back in Rebels 
Rex has got a huge storyline, but we're getting a little bit more Rex in this episode. I had a feeling, we talked about it last week, that that could have been Rex on the, um, that the Martez twins were talking to. Turned out it was. We get him straight at the beginning of the episode. They don't waste any time. He's there in his poncho. And as soon as I saw him and then it had like those little chords from his like theme, I was like, oh, he's back. Mm. Yeah, as soon as I saw the poncho, and I was like looking at it, and I was like, oh, that's, that's definitely Rex under there, under that little hood. If it kind of felt like it reminded me of um, Lord of the Rings <laughs> when uh, Aragorn's like in the bar, <laughs> yeah, uh, under his cloak. Um, I was like, oh, that's definitely that's got to be like a Lord of the Rings nod. That's so yeah. similar. It can't just be like a random thing. I think I think Filoni is a massive Lord of the Rings fan. I think because um, I think he's right. made Lord of the Rings references before. But yeah, I saw so many people doing like the screen by screen comparison of Aragorn and uh, Rex there, which I loved. And then everyone was saying, obviously return of the King Aragorn was the King and Lord of the Rings and Rex is the King in Star Wars. So he's back. Um, yeah. I was so excited to see Rex. I think he served a great purpose in the episode. Um, you know, he was the one that they needed at this point in time to help with the wrecker situation. They needed to learn from him about the real dangers of the inhibitor chips because I feel like they were a little bit naive to what the real issue would be. And hopefully the lesson that they've learned is the lesson they're going to use going forward to hopefully save Crosshair. Um, so yeah, really, really happy to see Rex again. And he felt just like Rex. I didn't have any questions about whether it was Rex we were talking to. I knew it was Rex. Um, D. Bradley Baker slipped straight back into character with Rex. And uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very good. I was surprised to see him still in his armor. I know we saw it in the trailer, but I think this, I mean, this is bug me for like however many episodes I've had. It's like the Empire's after you. You wear like one of the most recognizable armors like across the galaxy at the moment. Now, why are they not just like chucking on some like random robes or something? Um, yeah. It's got to be a creative choice, I suppose, to like help. To help recognize. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah. Obviously, the Empire, we got confirmation here. The Empire think Rex is dead. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess that helps him in the sense of they're not actively looking for him. And I imagine he slips that poncho on whenever he's in a public place. Like, you know, he came into a bar and he had the poncho. So I imagine the poncho is very much his, <laughs> like, suit Clark Kent putting the, the sunglasses <laughs> on. It's not a great disguise, but we accept it as sort of the disguise that he needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but- I'm assuming that someone's going to make a, a point on Twitter or something about how it's it's too emotional to take it off or something like that. They'll, yeah. they'll make their own canon version, the canon answer, where it's, yeah. like, it's too emotional to take it off, and I mean, I'll, I'll back it. Yeah, and we know at some point in the future he does take it off, because when we see him in Rebels, he's he's running a different look. Um, but I think everything's still pretty raw for him. I imagine, like, obviously we got the sort of bit at the end of the episode where he still believes that they can, like, fight for the republic so i imagine all of that's just a bit too raw for him and he's just not ready to take that armor off because i mean that that's him essentially stripping away such a major part of himself um mm. so yeah i can i can believe the reasons even if it does make him a, a walking target <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah as you said as you said there wrecker situation um i thought that's probably a good a good that was one of the best parts of the the show. This episode, I think, was definitely yeah. answered the questions we needed. It confirmed yeah. our theories, um, <laughs> yeah. which we'd had since episode 
three. I can't remember. Yeah, I, I liked I that they just before. they just straight up were like, yeah, Wrecker's headaches are getting a bit much. Because <laughs> that was exactly what the audience were thinking. Like, right, can anyone clock on to the fact that his headaches are getting ridiculous? Um, and the Bad Batch did as well. They were like, right, yeah. we need to do something. And then, see, Rex had that moment where he went straight for his gun. He was like, oh, mm-hmm. you don't know how dangerous these chips are, which I thought was nice. It was quite a natural reaction for, for Rex. Um, and yeah, the whole the whole plot of the episode was they were going to go and find a a medical, you know, medical room on a Venator class cruiser where they could get the chip removed. So they ended up going to Bracca. Now I got excited when I heard the word Bracca because Bracca, if you can't remember, John, is the planet that we start Jedi Fallen Order on. Mm, I did think so. Yeah. I wasn't 100% sure, but I looked when I made it land and I was like, that looks just like Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. So we went back to the the planet that we know from Jedi Fallen Order, which is a nice little connection. As soon as I heard Bracca, obviously the little bit inside of me was just like, oh, could we see you little Cal Kestis running about? But um, I don't think timeline-wise adds up. I don't know if he went there straight away after Order 66, but it was a nice connection at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found the crashed, not crashed, but I guess the scrap Venator cruiser. And they went inside, it was all rusty and worn down and looking looking a bit sad and worse for wear. Um, and yeah, they, uh, they, they go to get uh, Wrecker's chip out. And he turns, like we were expecting to happen, but it still didn't make it any easier. Mm. I think as well, like the point that like Rex had with uh, the Bad Badge when he was saying how dangerous the chips are, is I think just from off the top of my head, like the Bad Badge hadn't really experienced like what it's like for the clones to kind of um, turn on each other like that. Because I think they had it with crosshairs, I suppose. And then I suppose also they the Bad Batch didn't have that relationship with the Jedi that Rex had to make it really stand out like how alien the uh, the um, inhibitor chip makes you. So I think that was more the point of that was mostly the point his point of how dangerous they were. Is he literally? I feel like the Bad Batch, as you said, were just so naive about it they just didn't get it. And I feel like they kind of just escaped Camino, but they were just like, oh, you know, it's just because the Empire's taken over. Well, obviously, like. Rex had to go through that whole battle in season seven of Clone Wars with like all the clones and they were like desperate to kill him and Ahsoka. I feel like he's definitely been worse for wear with the effects of the inhibitor chips than maybe the Bad Badge did. So it was probably, I think this record turn on him really was a moment where they were like, oh shit, these are actually like really bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think the lessons that like Rex had learned from that, like um, really difficult, sort of time in the Clone Wars, like really, he had that lesson to teach the Bad Batch. And obviously, as he said, they were so naive to it. So when they actually had to deal with Wrecker and him trying to kill them, I think that that really clocked for them that, you know, this is a problem. Um, So I just, I, I found it quite like pretty scary to watch. Like the Wrecker just made this turn and then he just was not like the lovable Wrecker anymore. He was just like a killing machine and, you know, he was just beating the crap out of all of them. He just instantly just like strangled tech and like launched him against the wall. He went out and then like <laughs> threw echo into a stun blast. <laughs> uh, and then he just 
quickly dealt with Hunter as well. Just and then and then the bit that was you know really scary was when he was going for Omega, and you know he was saying good soldiers follow orders. You know about to shoot her before Rex stunned him. Um, and I think that was what was so scary is that it wasn't like programming kicked in and he, uh, like his say he kicked in over the programming and was like, Oh, I don't want to kill Omega. Like he was going to kill her if Rex hadn't stunned him there and then. And I think that was so terrifying to watch because obviously Omega's like, she's the young character. She's almost the beaten heart of the show at this point. Um, sort of, everyone's become quite fond of her particular and then like within the show Rekka and her have developed this like really sort of like lovable sort of sibling relationship. The two children of the group, you know, earlier on in the episode, they run out after they complete their mission to get these like sweeties. Um, so that was like seeing that was pretty tough, but then the fact that when they got the chip out Omega was the one who was like, I want to stay with him until he wakes up. And as soon as he wakes up and he's trying to apologize, he's just like, it's okay. It wasn't you. Um, sort of shows the level in which he's sort of willing to forgive and willing to understand that it wasn't his fault. Um, so I thought that was a really, really sweet moment. And yeah, like pretty intense. Um, but overall, yeah, overall really, really powerful. It didn't left me disappointed. Like they'd been building this for weeks and it was definitely worth the wait, I think. Yeah, it definitely paid off um, for the wait that we've, we've been having it. I felt like... I'm glad that it, I feel like it definitely could have been more emotional if they really wanted it to. Obviously, you know, like Rekka could have killed one of them or like they could have killed Rekka. But I'm glad they didn't go down that route seeing as they have been building it for like a couple, you know, three, four weeks now where like it's been building so much that they, they could have done that just to like, um, for the payoff that they've been having for the, that they've been building up to. So I'm glad they didn't. I feel like it definitely paid off just about right. Where it was emotional enough, but they didn't take it too far. And yeah, as you said, you know, yeah. it was scary at points. It was, you know, your heartstrings are going at points. I feel like Rekka was just, he seemed a lot more angry than like regular clones. I mean, yeah. I'm just thinking yeah, of like did, Jesse and that at the end of season seven when they're, when they're trying to take on um, Rex and Ahsoka, you know, they're just like executing orders and like. Very composed, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I feel like yeah. Rekka, he looked, he looked angry. Like I think, mad. yeah, I think, I, I think that's a really good pull there. Like, that's a good notice. I think that's probably to do with his genetic mutation. I think because he's sort of a bigger sort of brawn, you know, sort of tough, but not necessarily smart. I think there's probably a lot of anger in him. So I think that that almost just got sort of amplified by the chip. I think when, when Rekka fights, he's a bit sort of like, you know, and I think almost like the chip almost like amplified that. Because um, I think it, obviously we're not going to see it, but I think it would have been interesting to see. And I, I don't want to see it, but like how would the other clones in the Bad Batch have like reacted if they had turned? Because I feel like the the point of the chips is that they make you follow orders and clones were bred to follow orders. But the Bad Batch, regardless of the chips, were never good at following orders because, you know, they were defective clones. They were this Bad Batch there was a whole reason that they weren't particularly good at following orders and they just sort of did what they wanted. And like that, I imagine would have made their reaction to order 66 different to all the other clones. And obviously yeah. we saw it in Rekka in this sort of anger and this like over aggression. Um, and I imagine maybe if we saw that in tech, I don't know, do you think he would have just tried to hack the entire building? Or something? <laughs> like, 
he would have just gone like ultra smart. <laughs> uh, he had like a desire to like kill everyone by the, like, the nerdiest, hackiest way possible. Hunter would have just been like on the floor, like sniffing the floor, like going like ultra tracker. <laughs> yeah, it's a good notice. And I do think that was probably what made Wrecker even scarier in this is because we just know him as this like gullible idiot who, you know, gets a little bit rough and tumble when he's fighting like clankers and that sort of thing. But really he's a, you know, a softy and seeing him not like that at all. Yeah, it was it was really and and the music and everything. I just thought the whole thing came together so well, and I, I agree with you that they could have easily they could have easily killed one of them off or something like that. They could have the only way they could stop records putting him down, and obviously that would have been heartbreaking to watch because I've just I'm just starting to get to the point where I, like, I love these characters and I, I don't want to see any of them go yet. But I'm happy they did it because I think the enemy of this series is the Empire, and mm-hmm. I think whilst the chips are, as Rex called them, a ticking time bombs and they, they had to deal with them, they were still threats. I feel like we've seen the the series where the, the inhibitor chip or the arc where the inhibitor chips were like the villains, you know, like we saw it with the fives arc. We've seen it obviously with the final four episodes of Clone Wars, like that bit's been done with in relation to clones and particularly because yeah. these clones aren't as affected by the chips it made sense that they dealt with it. They dealt with it in a really interesting and quite like tense, scary way. But now they've got over that. They can now move on and deal with the main part of the series, which is obviously the Empire is the enemy, but more specifically, it's a former brother of theirs who's the enemy, the villain for the series. And it's going to be dealing with Crosshair. And I imagine either saving him and removing his chip or saving him and him having to sacrifice himself to save them in sort of some heroic redemption. Um, I'm assuming that's sort of what's, what it's building up to. But I think this was like a, it wasn't quite halfway through the series. It was like episode seven out of 16. So we're nearly at the halfway point, but I feel like it marked a good halfway point in the series of being like, right, we've got this bit not done because that makes it sound like they had to, but you know, we've, we've ticked this box. We can now go on and, with even sort of more exciting stuff. Yeah. I suppose they've kind of just been like, oh, the, the background threat that was there is now out of the way. So like, obviously like, yeah, as you said, the empire is obviously like the big bad of this series. Um, so I'm assuming, yeah, from now on, there's going to be very empire focused and obviously that's going to tie in with, uh, crosshairs and hopefully a bit more talking. Um, yeah. Maybe the Banty Hunter will be get wrapped up in a couple episodes then. Then they can really ramp up the Empire stuff for the final, maybe. I, I'm sort of imagining that the that Fennec Shan might come back in like the next couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, this episode ends with the scavengers from Bracca noticing that they were there and calling in the Empire. So I imagine next week's episode is going to be the Empire's going to attack before they can get off of Bracca. And... Um, I'm assuming it's going to be a big scrap. Crosshair will probably be there. I, d- I don't know if they're going to be able to save him next episode. They might do or it might build out for longer. Um, but I imagine there's going to be sort of a big fight against the Empire. They're probably just about escape and then probably have to deal with bounty hunters and that sort of thing for some more episodes before sort of building up to the, the climax of the series. Um, but yeah, I... I I subscribe to the theory that the big climax of this series is going to be a, the Clone Rebellion on Kamino. That was something that was big in Legends. Um, 
and hasn't been canonized yet but there's no nothing in canon to suggest it didn't happen um so we'll see um but yeah i agree i think it was a good good middle point we got still got lots of threats to deal with still lots of unanswered questions but this was one sort of thread unanswered question that got answered this episode which i think was really good yeah i think it does it also wrap up the rebels thing where everyone was wondering how uh, Wolf and Gregor got their chips out. As I'm assuming now, everyone can just be like, "Well, Rex just takes them to a Ventica, um a Jedi cruiser, and then that's it. Game over." <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine whether we're going to see them in this series, and we're actually going to see that happen in the Bad Batch. I'd really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't, we don't need to because we know what happens. Rex is like, "Right, boys, I know how to do this. I've already tried it on the Bad Batch, <laughs> <laughs> so let's go get it done," sort of thing. Um, yeah. but I guess the question is like, where were Wolf and Gregor when Order 66 happened? Um, I mean, Gregor would have been out on that planet when he was sort of hiding away there. So he probably didn't have any Jedi to kill, but obviously Wolf was part of the Wolf pack, wasn't he? I mean, was Wolf the guy that shot down Plo Koon? I don't know if we ever got confirmation of that. Don't think he was. I think I looked up a couple of weeks ago. I can't yeah. remember who it is, but I don't think it is Wolf. Which right. Is- yeah, which is a relief because I feel like that would just push me over the edge. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't like Wolf if you had found out that he killed Bloke. <laughs> no. um, so yeah, I'd be interested if they actually pick up on some of those threads. I have a feeling we might not see Rex again in season one. I think Rex might not come back till season two. I just thought the way that he walked off into the smoke, like off into the mist, felt very much like goodbye, Rex. Like we're yeah. not going to see him again for a while. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think it's basically confirmed that Bad Batch is going to run for multiple seasons. So I think we might see Rex again next season. I think that's no more Rex now. But I don't. I actually don't think we'll see him for the rest of the season. I think it felt very final at the end there when Rex left. Mm. Um, I guess the only sort of little unanswered question we got about Rex is he was chatting to someone on his com link. Don't really know who that was. I think some people thinking Ahsoka. If they're keeping to canon restraints, the Soka and Rex didn't allegedly didn't meet for like quite a while after, like after Order sixty six. I don't think they saw each other again until Rebels, supposedly. Um, so it's probably not a Soka he's talking to. I imagine if he's sort of involved with the rebellion, I think it's probably through sort of Bail Organa, um, or. I don't feel like he'd associate himself with Saw, but maybe he would because um, he met Saw with Anakin in those Onderon episodes. Yeah. Um, anyway, speculation, who Rex is talking to. I guess it's not too much of an important question because I feel like it's not going to get answered. I feel like it was more just to set up that conversation that they had at the end about Rex basically saying, you need to, you should come fight with me, like fight for the Republic and... Hunter was basically saying sort of as much as I'd love to, like my priority has to be looking after the squad, primarily Omega. I can't take a kid into war sort of thing, even though it's not a war yet, but it's building obviously. Um, So I actually think that is, it's an interesting thing that Hunter's having to debate with because last episode 
the Martez twins were like, you need to pick a side. And then this time Rex is saying, pick a side. And he sort of keeps on going back to Sid and this mercenary work because it's keeping them off radar. It's keeping them fed and money and keeping Omega safe. But he clearly doesn't like the work he's doing for Sid and doesn't like the way Sid's using them. So there's definitely some interesting undecided questions for Hunter at the moment as the leader. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about whether, they'll even go back to sit next episode. I'm assuming next episode, yeah, as you said, like the Empire will show up and there'll be like a, a standoff, et cetera, et cetera. I'm assuming once that's like wrapped up, I'm like, do they, are they even going to go back to sit or they're just going to be like, you know what, well, this isn't even worth it. Like the pay shit. Um, yeah, because the thing. episode opened up with them not getting paid very well. But then <laughs> I like that bit when Sid was like listing like all, all the debts that they had to her for, you know, and they were just sticking stuff on Sid's tab and all that sort of thing. Um, and she's obviously quite pissed off for them for messing up the tactical droid head heist. Um, so, yeah, I imagine they're not done with Sid. I, I imagine she's going to continue to play a part for the significant part of the series. And I actually would like that. I really like their sort of involvement in the underworld. And I kind of want it to be more, like more. I, I kind of want like... A bit, a big bit of empire next episodes, crosshair, all of that sort of stuff. They escape just with their lives, and then a few more episodes like doing, <clears throat> doing dirty jobs for for Sid, maybe getting mixed up with some other, you know, no- notorious figures from the Star Wars underworld. It'd be cool if like Bosk or Dengar, if they ran into someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Crimson Dawn even would be really interesting. And then they finally decide, right, I'm done with this. Uh, you know, let's go. Re- let's go rescue Crosshair. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. But I think that's what the series is doing really well. Is we don't really know where it's going. Yeah, I suppose because this is a part of Star Wars. All these are characters in Star Wars that we have never seen like their extended story. So they literally could go anywhere. Like I'm assuming it's going to have to be like a eventually kind of like a Rogue One thing where they have to die. But um, between now and then. It can literally go anywhere. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they are going to get Rogue one um, Yeah. But I imagine Filoni probably wants like, I don't know, two or three series with the Bad Batch before they get Rogue one Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of time between Bad Batch and um, like... You know, the start of the or like, Rebellion, yeah, Re- yeah. Rebels and stuff. Rebels, yeah. There's quite a lot of time between now and then, so... I imagine, I, I imagine the Bad Batch will probably kick about for about five years. And then uh, Tarkin will probably be like, right, I've had enough. Vader, can you just sort these clones out? They're being a pain in my backside. And I'll get Rogue One Vader style. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a remake of um, the hallway scene from Rogue One, but it's going to be the backlash getting massacred instead. Yeah, and then all all the kids that have watched this show for like three years would be absolutely traumatised. But that's how the real world works. (laughs) I feel like... Vader is having like beloved characters killed by Vader is like such a it it like lessens the blow because you get like such a cool Vader moment even though like your your favorite characters are dying I feel like it you you, you kind of get something even though you've lost something at the same time <laughs> yeah if anyone's gonna massacre the Bad Batch it's got to be Vader so at least it's cool <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um we've got any more any more sort of talking points from this episode um oh, I think that's it. I think we wrapped up the big I mean, points, to be fair. yeah, if, if, if 
by any chance they bumped into a, a young child next episode running around on Bracca, a <laughs> young Jedi male <laughs> by the name of Cal Kestis, I would get very excited. But I kind of think that that's going to happen. That's don't gonna, that's not going to happen. Um, but the connection to Jedi Fallen Order was enough for me. I, the fact that one show has acknowledged that game's existence makes me really happy. Um, yeah, it's cool. So, um, yeah, I think next week they're going to run into some trouble with the Empire again, which I'm looking forward to seeing Crosshair again. I think we've we've left Crosshair for quite a long time, so it's going to be good to see him and his other sort of like scary elite squad of like nearly death troopers. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Crosshair again, hopefully next episode. Yeah, but no, I, I loved today's episode. I thought... The, the the tension the the action the emotion in the whole episode that that emotional connection that Omega and Rekka have really really paid off in this mm. episode and uh, yeah I thought it was some some great writing some great acting some great directing all around good stuff and uh, yeah completely agree it's it's I, th- I think but it's between this and the first episode for me still uh, the high points of the series um, but yeah this was definitely I like when I, when I saw Rex, I like physically jumped in my bed. I was like, "Yes, it's Rex, my boy." <laughs> and then when like when he was aiming his gun at Omega, saying, "Good soldiers follow orders," I was just like, "Oh no, 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 no! Please, no, no!" So it definitely had me riding the roller coaster. Yes, definitely. Right. So we've uh, we've talked we talked our bit of bad batch, um, and continuing to be positive which is uh, really good to see from a new Star Wars show. Um, and as we sort of mentioned earlier, we thought we might have a little discussion about what, where the comics are at at the moment, because me and John have both been reading some of the up-to-date stuff. Uh, some of it has been causing some discussions within the community. So I thought we'd have a little discussion about it. And then I thought just at the end, just to finish off the episode, we can recommend our good listeners a couple uh, of the Star Wars comics that are worth a read if anyone's interested. Hmm. Yeah, I completely forgot that. Um, obviously, you mentioned all the bounty hunters, High Republic. I completely forgot like how good the Vader series is at the moment. Actually, yeah, I completely forgot about that one. Yeah, um, are you? Like, where's our limited up to now? You know, I'm. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they're on. Like last time I checked, I think it was issue ten. Right, okay. Which is a pain because apparently is it issue eleven had like a really yeah issue eleven is quite a big episode talking point um, yeah I mean so we'll, we'll just... wave the hands here spoilers for for the comics in general at the moment mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think it was episode, it was issue eleven and if I'm being honest I loved that Vader series up to issue eleven and issue issue eleven was a little bit of an issue 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 for me <laughs> oh really. Um, well, yeah, I loved that first arc with the Handmaidens and Naboo, and that's what I thought that was brilliant. I really mm-hmm. loved that seeing sort of that thinking within Vader, particularly just after everything that happened with Luke. I thought that was great. I loved the build up of this sort of Exegol arc, you know, with him getting like stripped of all his power, basically from Palpatine sent to Mustafar, like the connection with the the Eye of Webish Bog, which was. So meant to be the villain of Rise of Skywalker before they sacked the director. Um, <laughs> I like the big, like, I'm assuming you've seen the issue with like the, the big bookie space battle 
between Palpatine and Vader, like just outside of Exegol with the big like lizard thing. Lizard thing, oh, like yeah, space the octopus. Big, the big space octopus with like one arm. Yeah. 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 Um, see, I liked all of that. And then issue 11, I think it was, was where I got lost a little bit just because it felt like yeah, it was building up to all this stuff. And then everything that I was just not wanting them to show me, they showed me and I was just like, ah. I mean, it was fine. It was the art and it's really good. And some of the development for Vader is really good, but there's certain issues I have. Um, but we will discuss that when you've had a chance to read it. Okay. Um, yeah, but then uh, hopefully next week or something it'll come yeah. unlimited. The Vader tie into War of the Bounty Hunters has me a little bit more interested, to be honest. Um, so I think that's that's where they're going after. After that, is he's getting involved in War of the Bounty Hunters as well, um, which that has me a little bit more interested. But seeing that we're talking about it, you've had a chance to read the first issue of War of the Bounty Hunters. I've read it as well. Charles Soule, a great man, doing great work. Um, big big spoiler. Kira is back. Kira from Solo. She has returned. Crimson yes. has returned. Unbelievable. Like, I, was, I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. There was one moment in it when the the hut was, was talking. Um and then very like, obviously talked about Maul. Like the the person it could be or we'd be most scared of is most definitely dead. And I was like, right, okay, he's talking about Maul. And I was like, wait a minute, does this mean it could be like Crimson Dawn? Does this mean it could be Han Solo's ex fling? And I was like, oh, this this could be. And then I started to think, nah, it won't be. Like they're going to save that for like a future TV series. And I got to the last page, and I was like, oh, they're doing it. They mm. are doing it. Um. So yeah, what are your, what are your overall thoughts on the return of Kira? I mean, it was just, as you said, Charles Soule, unbelievable how he's like tied all that together. Like, well, obviously he makes it, he makes it, he makes the point in the comic about how like Han Solo is the character that like ties up so much of Star Wars. Like he's in, he's got his fingers in like all the pies. So I think using him can obviously <laughs> bring in other characters from like other multimedia, not other multimedia, but like other parts of the franchise is, Oh, genius. Yeah. And going into War of the Bounty Hunters, like there was a prelude issue, which I don't know. I don't, I don't think you've had a chance to read. Um, no. It wasn't, no mass- it, it wasn't massively consequential. It was literally just showing when um, when Boba had Hans Carbonite stolen from him and the reason mm. that he wasn't just taking it straight to Jabba. It doesn't make a huge difference. But after that, I was thinking, is this, is this series going to interest me? Because I know what happens to Han. And I know what happens to Boba. Han ends up in Jabba's palace. Boba ends up still working for Jabba. So clearly, it all works out fine. So am I really that interested in this? But as soon as they throw Kira in, and it suddenly becomes about her, we don't know what happens to her. We don't know why she needs Han to save her, finally. We don't know what goes on with Crimson Dawn and how they're going to affect you know, Boba Fett's story and Jabba the Hutt's story and... Luke and Leia and Vader's story and all these other characters. And suddenly I'm just like, well, this series has got a reason to read it now because there's a big unknown that we didn't have before she was introduced. Um, So yeah, I thought it was a really, really cool introduction. And I'm really just like, why is Crimson Dawn sort of been hidden away for so long? What have they been up to? What's she up to? She says Han can finally save her. What is she dying? What's going on? She's, like 
is is Han going to save her without ever realizing it because he's frozen in carbonite and he's never going to know? And how tragically sad is that? It's mm. like there's so many unanswered questions. Um, so I just, yeah, it was really, really got me hooked. And then I think the other thing, which I, I think you'll probably agree, is the focus on Boba Fett in this has been really, really interesting. Like seeing a lot more sort of internal monologue for him just seeing how much of a badass he is like so when he struts up to Jabba's palace and he just threatens to just kill them all if they don't give him the information he wants you know the way he just deals with um forlorn and zuckus <laughs> just just <laughs> blows him up i just it, it's nice spending a lot of time with boba and really getting to see this sort of like formidable badass bounty hunter that he is yeah i mean i'm a, a huge boba fett fan so obviously i know we got to see him in uh in all his glory in the Mandalorian. Um, but yeah, then again, seeing it in, in this comic and having a large focus of um, this comic being on Boba Fett is, is going to be good. Like <clears throat> in this first issue, we already see him like dominate anyone he comes up against, you know, like people ambush him. Now nah, they get mugged. You know, he walks up to Jazz Palace, as he says, like he just threatens to murk everyone and uh, kills the two guards at the, at the front to prove his point. Um, it's just it's nice to show that like the notoriety that Boba Fett has built himself by the time we see him in Empire is like yeah Empire well, and Jedi well, yeah yeah it's like well paid off and like you can see like already in this issue like people were people are scared of him like him being like yeah. if you don't do what I want I will kill you all and there's like what was it a room of like twenty bounty hunters and they're all <laughs> like oh, okay like we'll yeah. take you seriously like okay sorry. Because it's interesting, because this is obviously pre-Sarlacc bit Boba, and clearly the Boba we see in Mandalorian, he's still sort of a bit, he's an anti-hero, he's nasty, but he was willing to help Din with the child, purely out of, you know, respect, not because he had anything to gain from it. So clearly the, the Sarlacc pit, the years that we've not seen Boba has changed him slightly into being maybe a little bit more morally straight, um, going from sort of a villain to an anti-hero. But like in this, he's essentially, he's still that villain. He's still just a nasty piece of work and everyone's terrified of him. And mm. I almost think it this issue made made it make even more sense why he just killed Bib Fortuna in The Mandalorian because he clearly doesn't like the bloke. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's been wanting to do that for years. <laughs> he's been waiting for a long time. And obviously, I think the really interesting thing is the fact that Bob has got this massive bounty on his head um mm. and we know that Boba survives and we know that by the end of it Jabba forgives him because he's chilling in Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi but how he deals with all these factions who are after him and um yeah I just I just think it's going to be really interesting to see and some of the other the, the other comics that are tying in so there's the four there's four main comics tying in which is the the Star Wars series which obviously Luke, Leia, Chewie, Lando, 3PO, they're your main characters in that one. Um, obviously, they've got a big reason to be pursuing Boba and therefore Kira and therefore Han. Um, I kind of hope that Leia and Kira meet. I really want to see that interaction. Um, I would love it if like Leia doesn't know who Kira is from Han's past, but they still have a sort of interaction and none of that information is revealed. But like it's still like a standoff between two like badass women. Um, mm. You've got the Vader comic where like Vader, I won't tell you how Vader becomes involved because you're, you're going to catch up, but like Vader's beside decides to get involved. <laughs> um, you've got Dr. Afra 
we don't really know yet how she's involved, but that comic has introduced Dirge, who's the ridiculous uh, bounty hunter from the Clone Wars cartoon that Obi-Wan had to fight, the one that sort of just puts himself back together again. Um, oh, yeah. And then there's the Bounty Hunters comic, which um, is quite interesting because the main character in the Bounty Hunters comic actually hand saved his life. Like they were both Imperials and Han saved his life when Han was an Imperial. Um, and now like he knows that the whole galaxy is after him. He's actually out to like help Han because he feels that he owes him a debt. So I think that's another like, in- so you've got all these different players coming at it because they all want to get to Han. And then obviously you've got Boba <laughs> who's got a massive bounty on his head. Um, and then obviously you've got Kira in the mix now. So yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot going on and a lot of crossover between all these, these comics and stuff. I'm really, really interested to see where it goes. Mm. Yeah, me too, actually. That sounds really cool. And the artwork as well. I I loved the artwork. Um, oh, yeah. And it was, I know it was, it was Steve McNiven who did the the prelude issue, and he's he's a, he's a great, he, he's been doing Marvel comics for years, but the, the guy who's doing the main five issues, I thought he's a really great artist. I, I loved, yeah, I just loved it. Anyway, you, you had a point. <laughs> I was just going to set up the plot of Boba Fett in this issue. It's just like... Uh the second John Wick film or like the third John Wick film when like everyone's all about the hunters <laughs> yeah. and like trying to kill him and he just like dominates them one by one. I just feel like that's where the series is going to be going. With yeah. And it's, yeah, obviously we don't see a lot of all those bounty hunters that we see in Empire Strikes Back. We don't see in Return of the Jedi in Jabba's palace. Um, so clearly he either kills them or scares them off so much that they don't come anywhere near him again. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, is he going to bump into IG-88, Bosk? I mean, I know he's going to bump into to um, Dengar eventually. He's already dealt with Forlom and Zuckus. Like, you know, <laughs> there's a lot going on. Yeah, he's just out here murking everyone. Yeah. And then I guess the other one that I'm a little bit further ahead than you, so I'll, I'll, I'll pace what I say. But the other comic that you've been catching up on is the, the High Republic main High Republic main comic um, mm. over at Marvel, written by Kevin Scott, who's slowly becoming one of my favourite Star Wars writers. Um, and that, that one is really, really good as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm only on issue three, which came out of Marvel Unlimited uh, this week. Um, but yeah, already I'm just, it's so good. The uh, the storyline like fits in, like, you get more of the extended characters as well as new characters um, from the book, like the Jedi, like it's a big focus on, um, is it Skiar, as they say his name? Uh, uh, Skiar. Skiar, the, the, the Trandoshan, which is fantastic because what a cool concept for a Jedi. Um, get more on him. Dealing Obviously, with the fallout of losing his arm in the Battle yeah. of Kerr. Yeah, the, um, get to see a bit of Adar Chris, Ava Chris. Ava Chris, yeah. Yeah, she's cool. And obviously we're introduced uh, to Skiers Padawan, uh, Keeve Trennis, who yeah. is a very, very awesome Jedi. Um, and it's really interesting to see where she's going as a character. I mean, within the first three issues, there's a lot going on with her. Um, and her relationship with Skier as well was very interesting. Um, mm. but I do I do have to just bring like a massive point, like impressive, like point in that first issue, that splash page with her, like sensing the force around her 
and there's that like big image of just her and all this like artwork like around of her like seeing the force i thought that was incredible i loved that like a splash page of like sit of how a jedi sees the force because we're getting a lot of that in the book of like describing how they see the force but seeing that like drawn in like beautiful artwork i just thought that was incredible i love that splash page so much yeah i love i love it when they do that in the stars book so they did it really well in um in the vader series like yeah. showing like his version of the force which is obviously like very like dark side um and then like showing what he looks like in the force which i thought was really cool yeah. um yeah. i love just the visual aspects of it and you know it's stuff we haven't seen before and you can only get so much from reading it which was as we said when we reviewed the uh, book like the jedi it was unbelievable like the amount of detail the writers go into and in describing the force and how it's individual for each character but then being able to see it on like the page with such lovely artwork is oh, so unreal yeah yeah and i think what was what's quite nice about this series is that first issue takes place like after the battle of kerr but before the end of like the jedi like the final chapter where all the Jedi open up Starlight Beacon by lifting all their lightsabers in the air. Um, and mm. then sort of that first issue finishes with that big splash of like all the Jedi holding their lightsabers up in the air, all the different colours, all the Jedi. I thought that was so beautiful to see. Mm. In the book, like that was the bit in the book where they described it as the light of the Jedi. And seeing that visually in this comic was amazing. And then after that, we're going to like post Light of the Jedi stuff. Um, so they... It's, it's issue number two that they come across the hut ship that has a dead hut, some Nile kicking about, um, who Skier just brutally murders. <laughs> mm. So there's definitely something going on with Skier. Um, and then is it is it the third issue that they end up on the planet? Uh, it's like half of the end of issue two, and then issue three is like more on the planet. It's yeah. like specifically set on the planet, but they get there at the end of issue two, I think. But yeah. And ha- have you been introduced to the, the villain of this arc yet? Yeah. I can't remember his name for the life of me. Does it actually even have a name? The Drengir. The Drengir. The big, the big plants. <laughs> the, the big plants that seem to ooze dark side energy. Yes, they do. Now, if you want to know a little more about them, John, you'll, uh, you'll find out in Into the Dark because oh, okay. they were introduced in Into the Dark. Um, they play a big part in that storyline, but they're very interesting. And I really like the way that Kevin Scott is using them because he's a big horror fan and there's a lot of sort of horror vibes going on. Um, I think it's in issue two. There's like, it's when Keeve wanders off into the corn, doesn't oh. she? And yeah, that yeah. sort of whole it's just a lot of suspense in there and i promise you issue four and five lives up to the uh the the intrigue on it it's issue five is a beautiful beautiful issue so much great action and emotion and the whole thing is really good so it's definitely a series that i recommend to people who aren't reading it it's uh it is really fantastic and i'm glad that uh glad you're enjoying it as well john yeah i'm looking forward to Read more. I might just honestly just go and buy the issues at this point. Like, I might just yeah. through my unlimited. I might just actually just go and buy them because I just want to know what's happening, and I'm sick and tired of being left behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get to that point as well. Um, I've been buying the digital issues on Comicsology, um, mm. which they don't. Call, I mean, if I had a local comic book shop, I would just be going and getting the physicals. But my nearest one's like an hour and a half drive away and I can't be spending that much money on petrol every week. Um, <laughs> no. I don't even have the time. So 
that's where I'm at at the moment, the digitals. But I thought we could um, could finish off this episode and this discussion about the comics because there's clearly a lot of good stuff happening at the moment. But just giving a few little recommendations to our to our listeners of particular comic book series or um, mini series in the sort of the past sort of five years of Disney Star Wars that we uh, that we recommend. Um, so I'll, I'll let I'll let you recommend one or two. I imagine I know which one of yours will be, so I'll let you take that one, and then uh, I'll, I'll chuck in a couple extra. Okay, I'm gonna my, the first one I recommend actually. I don't know if this is the one you expected, but uh, Vader Dark Visions. I actually really enjoyed that one. And it's, Tell uh, you what, I have not read that one yet. That's on my it's list. So good, I've not it's, got around to it. It's a five issue series, but like each issue is like its own story like they don't intertwine um it's not like issue one starts and issue five ends like it, they're their own um what am i trying to say like story in that one issue yeah, it's like it's an anthology basically and, yeah. yeah thank you but yeah it's really good there's like issues where vader's just like a badass there's like an issue which is like kind of funny which is not what you'd expect reading the vader comic um but yeah, they're all very good at expanding some information around Vader and um, it's getting to know the character a bit better. So if you're new to reading comics, I reckon that's a good place because there's no um, there's no pre stories you have to read really. So yeah, I that one. yeah, that's the that's the the next one that I've got to read. Um, it's on my list. I'm tempted to buy the graphic novel just because I really like that image of Vader sitting on the horse with a shield. Uh, um, yeah. I think that looks very cool. Has. Yeah. Nice. That's a good recommendation. I'll, uh, I'll stick with Vader and I won't steal the other Vader that you're probably going to recommend. I'll, uh, I'll recommend people read the 2015 run of uh, Darth Vader by uh, Cara- Kieron Gillen is his name. I always say Karen Gillen. I'm like, nah, she's, she's Nebula in <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but no, this is, it's like the in between of episode four and episode five of like what, what Vader got up to. Basically, the concept is after screwing up with the Death Star, uh, Palpatine blames Vader. Vader loses some of the power and influence that he has, and he's sort of tested by Palpatine over 25 issues to sort of regain that position of strength that we see him in in Empire when he's got his own ship back and all that sort of stuff. And it's such a cool story. It's got some wacky characters like Dr. Afra is introduced in that. You've got Triple Zero, who's like C3PO, but loves to murder things. It's it's bonkers, but some of the Vader stuff in it is so good. And I think because of how good the other Vader series is, um, it often gets overlooked. But I do think it's a really, really incredible series. And it's got some like really incredible vader moments that we will talk about in a future uh, episode of the podcast um but yeah i really recommend vader 2015 nice that's a good one actually I like, I like the vader 2015 series um but yeah i mean mine is also vader just because this series is unbelievable uh but mine is by the boy charles soul <laughs> yes i knew we talk about this one we had to you can't not recommend this because <laughs> this is the storyline is unbelievable, but as I was talking about earlier, like the visuals in the art is unbelievable. Like you get to see, um, like Vader in the Force, and like as I was mentioning earlier, like what he looks like in the Force, and then like how the Force it interacts with him at times, um, and how like 
I don't want to give too much away, but there's times when I'm like the light side of the force is like creeping up and he's like, no, go away. Uh, and the yeah. way they visualize it is just, you know, it's un- it's beautiful. It's really cool. Um, yeah. And it goes so far to like expand, just, you know, the, the, the inner turmoil and like the dark side within uh, Vader, which is yeah. just, oh, such a good series. Yes, and this is, this is a 2017 Darth Vader run by Charles Soule. We talk about him all the time because we love him. Um, <laughs> it's set just like immediately takes like starts up immediately as Revenge of the Sith finishes, um, and then goes on for quite a few years after Revenge of the Sith. Uh, with some, you know, we find out about how Vader gets his red lightsaber. We find out about some other surviving Jedi. We find out about how he gets Vader's castle, which we love because look at our name. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I actually only just read it for the first time I mean, a couple of months ago, three months ago, and I was blown away. I couldn't really put it down. It's just so well written. Um, I'm trying to think if I've got any. Actually, I tell you what, a little bit of a curveball one because we were talking about High Republic. I'd actually quite recommend people check out High Republic Adventures, which is is not published by Marvel. It's published by IDW, um, but it's still it's still canon to the rest of the High Republic story. It's written by Daniel Daniel Jose Older, who's a, a really good Star Wars writer. He wrote um, Last Shot, which is a, a book about Lando and Han. Uh-huh. Um, He's part of Project Luminous. He's part of the five writers for the High Republic. He's he's writing one of the next books in the next wave. But the concept of High Republic Adventures is it's aimed at a slightly younger audience. So the main characters in it are Padawans. Um, so you've got Lula Talisola, who's sort of like the main Padawan, and she meets a young Force-sensitive girl on a planet during the events of Light of the Jedi and bring this brings this girl into... Um, the fold and by the fold I mean Master Yoda's ship filled with Padawans and he's he's. we find out in Light of the Jedi that he's on a sabbatical his idea of a sabbatical is flying around the galaxy in a ship with a load of Padawans teaching them lessons well no, they're not even Padawans they're younglings sorry I got my I got my terminology wrong they're younglings so you get Master Yoda in this you know the prime of his life you get this brilliant brilliant Jedi called and I kid you not, his name is Buckets of Blood. Uh, I, won't, I won't say why it's called Buckets of Blood. You have to you have to read it to find out. And the the actual main villain of the book is Marky and Rowe from Light of the Jedi as well. So you get to learn a little okay. bit more about Marky and Rowe as well. It's a really good series. Um, more difficult to get hold of because it's obviously for IDW um, mm. instead of Marvel. However, they're just coming up to finishing their first five issues. So I think the graphic novel will probably be out fairly soon. Um, but I've been really, really enjoying that. I think it's a great, great little read, and it's sort of bit of a bit of a younger feeling story. But it doesn't take away from there being some really, really good force stuff and some really good comedy and storytelling in it. And obviously, you get lots of Yoda, so we love Yoda. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's definitely worthwhile. Um, I'm just trying to think whether there any other ones that sort of really. I think the last one I'd recommend, and it's a little bit more of an obscure one, and it's just a little five-issue miniseries. It's the Lando miniseries. It's just called Lando. It's from 2015. Again, it's written by Charles Soule. There's a bit of a theme. Um, You should almost read it before you read the Darth Vader 2017 run because a concept is introduced in it, which is 
then picked up again in Darth Vader 2017, even though that's set before. But it's just a little five-issue miniseries about Lando and Lobot getting into trouble over a heist. It's a really interesting tie-in to another big character. Um, the art is done by Alex Maleev, who's one of the best comic book artists of like the last like 20 years. He's incredible. Charles Soule's incredible. It's a really, really fun little mini-series. Um, I think it's uh, well worth a read. Oh, nice. I haven't actually read that one yet. You've been telling me to read it for yeah, ages, but I, have, I haven't yeah. got around to it. So <laughs> I will, I'll try my best to get onto it soon. <laughs> you, have you got any any last ones, John? Um, no, I think that's probably it. Otherwise, I could probably sit here for hours just listening all the Star Wars comics I've read. Yeah, so, we, can, we can save that for another episode where we can yeah. literally just, we can just do that for an entire hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, well, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Um, we'll be back next week where we will be talking about uh, the next episode of Bad Batch, which will be exciting, and something else that we will <laughs> that we will think <laughs> think about in the following week. Yeah, and then the week after that, we've got a special episode that we're planning, which is going to be a, a whole hour talking about Darth Vader because. Everyone loves Darth Vader and hates him at the same time. So yeah. we're planning a whole episode of uh let's call it Darth Vader's greatest hits. Uh which is something to get excited for for a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, that's a good name, actually. <laughs> um, right. So uh let's wrap it up. Um yeah. don't forget to to follow us on our socials on Instagram at Live from Vader's Castle and Twitter at Vader's Castle Pod. Uh, we've been posting quite a lot over there about the books that the, probably going to start posting a bit more about the comics and whatever mm. funkos we get for our post, which seems to be a lot at the moment. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, follow us over there. <laughs> and uh, thanks for joining us, John, as always. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Yeah, see you next week. Thank you for listening. Cheers for listening. Bye.